listening to First Church Charlotte. Stand with me. We're going to look at uh, one passage of scripture, Psalms chapter number eight. I am continuing a series I started this past Sunday. Let me join with uh, Pastor Dewan and thanking our team. We have a great team, and they do a great job, and got some new faces up here. We put out a call for cool people, and Dylan, Dylan said, I'm cool, and Josh said he was cool, and so now they're on the platform. So if you're not on the platform, now you know why. <laughs> Just having fun. All right, so we're in, uh, let's see, what did I say? Psalms chapter number four. Uh, It's all good, so you can pretty much read anywhere. Um, What is man that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion. Somebody say dominion. Over the works of thy hands, thou hast put all things under his feet. So today I'm going to continue the series I started last Sunday, which is You Are Invited. Last Sunday I dealt with the subject of joy. You're invited to supernatural, spiritual joy. And today I want to take a little bit more difficult tact. And I want to teach, preach, You Are Invited to Dominion. Nobody said amen. Nobody knows what that means, but stick with me and we'll look at it biblically. Amen. Praise the Lord, somebody. One more time before you're seated, put your hands together, lift your voice, give God a shout of praise in this house. We bless your name. We worship you. We glorify you. We magnify you. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. All right. So the passage we read together in Psalms chapter number eight is, as you will notice almost immediately, it is, uh, has a deep prophetic uh, tone to it, speaking to the victory of the cross, the victory of Jesus Christ redeeming us. Is anybody thankful for, for redemption here today? Is anybody thankful for what Christ has done for you? We are a church of broken people who have been made whole by the power and the presence of God. Can I have a big amen in the house? And so uh, I, want you to, I want you to see that prophetic undertone to this passage, uh, but I also want to point out that this passage is quoted in Hebrews chapter number two, and one of the longest quotations of Old Testament in a New Testament book is this passage right here. Uh, and so I will uh, read it in Hebrews, and I want to remind you that it is, of course, referring to Jesus Christ Firstly, and secondly, it is referring to our ability to be partakers of his victory and his power. Again, the writer says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? This is chapter two, starting at verse six, I believe. Crown him with honor, set him over the works of your hand, all things in subjection under his feet. Uh, we see Jesus, the writer says, verse number nine, made a little lower than the angels, for the suffering of death crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, God might taste death for everyone. Uh, it was fitting for him, for whom are all things and by whom are all things, in bringing, watch this, many sons to glory. Do you guys see what the author just did there? He used an Old Testament prophecy referring to Jesus' victory and gave it purpose. Thank you, my brother. Um, and gave it purpose by connecting it 
to what God wants to do in you. Okay, so to recap real quick, just lend me your attention here for a moment. The prophet said Jesus would have victory over all. And in the new covenant, the epistle writer says, through that victory, you yourselves are victorious. And the authority that Jesus won is placed in your hand. And the victory Jesus won is in your hand. Why is this so? How can this be? The writer says, because you are no longer orphans, so to speak. You are the sons of God. The word here, and I have all of this in your notes, which is available uh, on our website if you'd like to download the notes I'm preaching from. Uh, if you look at this, you, you see that we are given status in the kingdom of God, not by our victory, but by Christ's victory. We are given authority, not by our dominion, but by Christ's dominion. And then Christ, by spiritual adoption, invites you to stand in his stead as a representative of his kingdom here on earth. Now, I know this sounds theological, and, and I get it, and I, 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 just, just, just work with me a moment here. Um, why, do, why, why do us Christians, uh, we're a little bit uncomfortable talking about dominion. Uh, there's a good reason for that. Uh, there's a very natural reason for that, and that is because humans love power. We just love us some power. And when we get some power, we don't usually do very well with it. Um, we usually use it for manipulative purposes, or we use it for self-promotion purposes, or we use it in some manner to our advantage and everyone else's loss. This is the history of us. You can start out lowly like Saul, and before it's done, you're trying to murder a rival. You are, all of us, capable of being twisted by the power that corrupts. As Orwell said, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. This is, of course, true of human nature, but we like power. We like control. We like dominance. And once we get a taste of it, we will do almost anything to maintain it. Nearly every story of history, nearly every story of humankind working through history, hear me, is a, status, is a story of status-seeking, a story of wealth-seeking, a story of power-seeking. If we're not careful, as carnal, limited beings who seize the world through status competition and dominance hierarchy, if we're not careful, we turn everything, even church, into dominance hierarchy. If we're not careful, we turn everything, even religion, into dominance structures. This is the reason why the post-exile prophets, this is the prophets after the exile of the house of Israel, and they had been taken away, and they come back, they rebuild, rebuild the temple, and because of the synagogue culture that had been established, they had a stronger, stronger, more unified culture than they had ever had. You see the rise of the Jewish legal class, you see the rise of the lawyers who administrate and adjudicate Mosaic law, you see the rise of the Pharisee as a political and religio-political uh, power broker in the, in, in the society, and what happens? They, perhaps meaning well, they turn it all to self-service. This is the path of fallen humanity, and so the Lord sends prophets, and the prophets say, look, you guys have a form of godliness, you have a label, you look right 
right, you talk right, but you're not doing justice. You are missing the heart of God. You have a outward semblance, but you have in some way perverted the heart of God by using his kingdom and his covenant to promote your wishes, your desires, your status symbol, your dominant hierarchy, and this is the way of the flesh. They do not receive this criticism. How could they be wrong? After all, they alone hold the word of the Lord, and they alone are the ones who apply it. The result of that is they kill the prophets. So finally, it's the Son of God who is there. It's the Son of God who is pointing out how they've missed the point. He points out their, 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 their errors and their flaws, their, their mistakes and their downright absurdities. You would think he would be appreciated for it? Nope, not appreciated at all. They kill him too. This is the story of human religions. Carnal humanity tends to turn everything, even theology, into dominant hierarchy. All religions end up with a theology where they get to be in charge. And so, knowing this about human, I thought I'd be real today because that's how I like to be. I I sleep better at night when I'm very real. Um, (laughs) And so, um, as a result, we become sensitive to this idea that we would try to promote dominance, that we would try to promote our exaltation above others. We get very sensitive, if you have sense, you do. You get very sensitive about this idea of promoting you, your people, your tribe, etc., etc., above others. And so you should, because the way of the flesh, remember, is to use anything, even faith, to serve the flesh. But there is in the words, the chapters, and the books of the sacred word of God, there is another way to live. There is another path to walk. And I want to point out something to you that may be a bit of a surprise, but it is absolutely true. True spiritual dominion is so different from our earthly experience of power that we struggle to really envision what it looks like. Let me say that again. True spiritual dominion that manifests the kingdom of God and displays the heart of God is so different than our earthly experience of power that we struggle to understand or envision what it looks like. In fact, there is, in all of human history, there is only one story that reveals what divine dominion looks like. And that that is the picture of the one who has all power laying it down and saying, I will do through love and I will not do through power. There is only one story in all of human history and all the story of us, there's only one story that shows what true spiritual dominion looks like and that is the son of God taking on the helpless form of a human baby and depending upon ordinary people to house him and feed him. He who made it all, he who spoke and all was formed, he who stood with ranks of infinite angels there to stand and fight for him. He laid it all down and says if I, and said if I can't win through love then I won't win I'll lose that is a picture of spiritual dominion 
You see, that's very different than a world, uh, the dominion as we have known it. Um, we uh, t- t- tell you a funny story. So yesterday we had uh, we were at a wedding. Um, uh, Kenny and Tammy's uh, daughter Mackenzie uh, got married yesterday, and uh, it was a beautiful ceremony, great times, all that good stuff. And one of the things that was fun about it uh, that I really enjoyed is they wrote vows to each other. I love to listen to new new people in love write vows to each other because they say some stuff they don't even mean. <laughs> They don't even know what they're talking about. And so on the way home, my wife and I were joking about what we ought to do is we ought to have people write their vows to each other when they get married, and then 20 years later, we should do a a, a renewal and have them write their vows again, and then let's compare those vows to each other. Because they're like saying stuff like this, I will always be there for you. After 20 years, like, I will try to always be there for you. In the beginning, you're like, when you're down, I will pick you up. 20 years later, you're like, if you're down and I'm not downer, then I'll try to say something mostly positive to you. When you're newlyweds, you say stuff like this. I will, true, 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 wow, yesterday I nearly fell out and passed out. I was like, angels among us. I will carry snacks for you because I know how you love snacks. Here's $5, go to Sitco. Twenty years later, you're like, mm, 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 mm. keep your hands to yourself. <laughs> Take your hands off my French fries. <laughs> and uh, my favorite one is this: when you're married, when you're getting married, you make these vows. I will always be your warm place in a cold world. After twenty years, you're like, mm, mm. if you steal my blankets one more time. <laughs> I love you, and I don't believe in divorce, but I do believe in homicide. <laughs> so, anyway, that's, I did, that's not in my notes, unfortunately. But, um, so, so uh, I was listening to uh, Mackenzie. Mackenzie is an articulate, intelligent, lovely Christian young lady, and I was listening to her vows. And traditionally, there's this vow that goes like this. All you men might want to say it with me. Love, honor, and obey. See, suckers were too scared. You know, she's sitting right by you. You wouldn't dare say that mess. I'm 20 feet away. I ain't scared. <laughs> I can run faster than she can in heels anyway. So, so no, we don't say that so much anymore because, you know, whatever. I mean, it's, it's in the Bible, but, you know, it's right beside us. Christ loved the church. So there's some extenuating uh, things there you need to know. But I was waiting for her to say love, honor, and she, she said love. She said, honor, and she skipped that obey part. I smiled real big. I said, that's a first-year girl right there. <laughs> Learned that from Sister Elms, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that was an inside joke. Sorry. I, sometimes I entertain myself. So, okay, so dominion. It's, it makes sense that us Christians are not really comfortable trying to promote ourselves being in charge of everybody. But I want you to be reminded that the only one who ever had power laid it down to show us another way. The one who had dominion set it aside to show us another way. And I'm going to show you biblically that he invites you 
to live in spiritual dominion. I want to show you, if I can, uh, what that means. See Christ laying aside power and humbling himself. I want to sh- show you what the Apostle Paul said about this. I'm going to read Philippians chapter 2, verse number 5. Your attitude should be the kind that was shown us by Jesus Christ, who, though he was God, did not demand and cling to his rights as God, but laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. And he humbled himself even further, going so far as to actually die a criminal's death on a cross. Yet it was because of this that God raised him up to the heights of heaven and gave him a name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I want you to see what's happening there. He's giving you the image of dominion you know in the context of a dominion it is almost impossible for our human hearts to perceive. But this, he says, is the way we proceed. In this kingdom, it's not about everyone bowing to us. It is about us serving everyone and it exalting God in heaven. I better say that again. In this kingdom, you are in being invited to express spiritual dominion in. It's not about you taking the stage and people bowing their knee to you. It is about you following in the exampled path of the one who sacrificed himself that he might serve you and save you and wash your sins away and through that act glorify the creator who made all things new. God was always is going to fix the mess we made. And through Jesus Christ, we see the heart of God manifest. We are called to spiritual dominion, but it's not the dominion of us oppressing other people for our sakes. It's the dominion of us serving other people for God's sakes. This is the path that you are invited to walk on because even in this image of every knee bowing, every tongue confessing, it all ultimately through our sacrifice and service is to the glory of God the Father. I want you to see that as a believer, you are invited to live a life of spiritual dominion, not carnal dominion, not worldly dominion, not fleshly dominion. It's not a dominion where we have and they lack. It's not a dominion where we are good and they are bad, a dominion where we are exalted and they are oppressed. No, no, no. It is a dominion of us serving that they might find freedom through Jesus Christ. Christ to the glory of the eternal creative God. I want you to see the spiritual dominion you are being invited to. I want to read you some scriptures here that show you this this image of Jesus Christ inviting his disciples to stand in his stead. I'm going to read Mark 6 and verse number 7. He called unto him the twelve and began to send them forth two by two and gave them power over unclean spirits. I want you to notice that, power over unclean spirits. Matthew 9, 37, thus saith he to his disciples, the harvest is plenteous, labors are few, pray the Lord of the harvest, he'll send forth laborers. And when he had called unto them his 12 disciples, unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power, somebody say power, power. 
over unclean spirits. The second time this is mentioned, to cast them out and category change to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. There's two takeaways I want you to take from this today because I hope this Bible teaching and preaching will change the way you walk in your world. It will change the way you express the kingdom of God in your world because you have been adopted for a purpose, not simply for you to stand in personal victory, but for you to stand in the stead of the one who gives victory to all and grace to all and represent the values of the father heart of God and the promises of the kingdom of heaven. Man, if I could preach here today, someone would get excited. But I'm just going to plow along like I, like I can. So y'all, y'all, takeaway number one, our spiritual dominion is not over people, but over evil spirits. That's important. Uh, let, me, let me just tarry here and meddle a little bit. This isn't in your notes, and so maybe it'll be especially good, and you can be mad at me later. But um, uh, here, here's the idea. God, God is in charge as deity, but he is not necessarily in control of everything that happens. Shock. Horror. How can you say that? I'll tell you how I can say that. He made you a living soul and he gave you the power of choice. You are an agent within a creative world. And so you live on the balance of whether or not you're going to follow the call of God and the kingdom of God or you're going to follow the things of this world. And there are plenty of people who choose against the kingdom of God and they choose paths of sin. Did God command them to do that? No. Did he control them to choose? that? No. He gave them sovereignty. This is God's gift. And this is why you can choose to reject him and be judged for it. And this is also why you can choose to worship him and receive eternal blessing for it because you get to choose. This is so important for you to understand. God is in charge, but he has given to you an arena of spiritual sovereignty where you get to choose how you're going to live, whether or not you're going to pray, whether or not you're going to speak faith, whether or not you're going to turn away from the paths of the flesh, or whether or not you are going to wholeheartedly follow after the call of God. And the contest that's happening here on earth is not about, uh, let, me, let me make sure I say this precisely, the contest here on earth is over the souls and hearts of humanity. There is a side of spiritual rebellion. These are the fallen spirits led by Lucifer who seek to steal, to kill, and destroy, and you choose whether you go their way or you go God's way. And there is also in the earth the great powerful, redemptive work of Jesus Christ manifest through bodies of believers and manifest through the prophets and manifest through the gospels. And it is the call of God. It is the lifted up savior who draws all men unto us. And every day, every week, every year, we choose with our hearts, which kingdom we will follow. And when we choose sin, God didn't make us. God didn't control us to choose sin. He gave us an arena of spiritual opportunity and sovereignty. This is why dominion never gives you power over people. Because God will not give you what he himself laid down. There's no point praying that God will force someone to serve him. That doesn't make any sense. That is exactly what God laid down. Why Why would he trust you with something he set aside and said that's not the way? We're going to win through love. Charity never fails. 
power fails. Prophecy fails. Tongues of men and angel fails. Healing the sick fails. Giving your body as a sacrifice for the faith fails. But love never fails. So we never have. When you are invited to spiritual dominion, you are not invited to have control over anybody. You're not invited to have power over anybody. You are invited to stand as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven and speak the name of Jesus against the forces of the enemy that prey upon the souls of men and women seeking to kill and steal and destroy. This is what you do by speaking dominion and faith. You create a spiritual sanctuary where the forces of enemy enemy are pushed back and that person has a safe place to decide again and again and again whether or not they're going to walk the way of Calvary, whether or not they're going to walk the path, the invited path of heaven's journey. This is what you do. This is why you ought to be a prayer warrior because there's people in your life that are being oppressed by the enemy and you need to push back that oppression in Jesus' name. This is why you need to breathe the name of Jesus when you walk into your place of employment because there's people there. It's been a long time since they felt the invitation of the power of God. It's been a long time since they felt conviction, but if you would speak dominion against the forces of the enemy, that same person would feel conviction. So, takeaway number one. We'd never have dominion over people, but we do, by God's command have dominion over evil spirits through his name and through his victory Amen. all right you with me all right thank you i'll assume you are by your stare <laughs> so i'm going to read a handful of scriptures and i'm going to show you what we do have for people we don't have dominion for people we have dominion over evil spirits through the name of jesus somebody say yes, yes. what do we have for people Matthew 10, verses 7 and 8, and as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, here's dominion, cast out devils. What do we have for people? We have healing for sickness. We have cleansing for lepers. We have resurrection for the dead. What do we have for the devil? Devil, in the name of Jesus, pack up your ugly hide. I don't mean to be pointing at you guys. I'm sorry. I mean, if the shoe fits. I mean, but I just, I just want you to know there's some beautiful people sitting over here, so I don't think it's y'all. Let's point like over here, okay? Luke 9, verses 1 and 2, he called the 12 disciples together, together and gave them power and authority over all devils. Say it with me, power and authority over all devils. And category change to heal and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Luke 9, verse number 4, and whosoever's house you enter, uh, let's see, if they don't receive you, move along, preach the gospel, healing everywhere. Okay? Continuation. We're in Luke 10. And into whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat such things as set before you, heal the sick that are they there at hand and say to them, the kingdom of God is nigh unto hand. So, takeaway number two. Takeaway number one, we never have dominion over people, so we don't need to strut through our lives like we're gang members in some gang neighborhood. We're not. We're humble people saved by the blood of Jesus Christ. We don't have dominion over people. 
We have dominion over evil spirits. What do we have for people? <laughs> this is takeaway number two. We take dominion over evil, evil spirits. We give God's gifts to people. Healing, blessing, goodness. Romans 2 and 4. Not, don't you know that the goodness of God leads to repentance? What are we doing as we exercise spiritual dominion in this world? We have dominion over evil spirits and we represent and communicate the goodness of God to people. Does that make sense? This is what spiritual dominion looks like. So if we have this idea in our head that we in some way are going to be served through dominion, you just, you, you totally missed it 100%. We're not served through dominion. We serve and we have dominion over the enemies of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we bind the principalities and the powers through the name of Jesus. We bind them and we speak Christ's victory to everything that would stop the working of the will of God here in this city. I pray against every spirit that hinders people from finding truth. I pray against every false doctrine and spirit of false doctrine that keeps people from a true apostolic book of Acts experience with you, Lord Jesus. I, I bind that spirit and I ask for a sanctuary of power and anointing to be established in this city. Let it start right here in this, in this sanctuary, we pray, oh God, where people can have eyes to see the word of God. They can have conviction to be drawn to your way and not the way of the flesh. They can, they can have faith to believe there's a better path and a better day ahead in Jesus' name. And can I have an amen? How do we have dominion? Not through any accomplishment of ours. We don't pray enough and then get dominion, although prayer is super important. We don't fast enough and then get dominion, although fasting is super important for our becoming and for our spiritual growth. We get dominion through Jesus Christ. Why? Through Adam, we lost our place and sin voted us by default on the side of rebellion. But through Jesus Christ, that rebellion was washed away and we were once more invited into the household of God to have the status of an adult child. That's the Greek word there. An adult child having full rights to speak to the wealth of our name, to speak to the wealth of our household, to stand as a representative of our family. It's not about your power. You don't need to try to grow your power. You ain't got no power. It's about Christ's power and it's about Christ's victory. And so all you have to do, be you elder, be you theologian, or you be you child, is to speak the name of Jesus and stand in his dominion and his power in your world. And so Colossians 2, Paul says about Jesus, having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross, Colossians 2 and 15. Literally, he disarmed that which hell had accomplished. He stripped Satan and all of his minions of any power or authority that he had, and through his work at Calvary, he repositioned us to partner with God as a representative of the kingdom of God. And so you are invited, as our musicians come, you are invited to dominion. It's not a dominion of exaltation. It is a dominion of intercession. Where you speak his power on behalf of somebody's need. You represent 
his victory on behalf of somebody else's distress and you preach the kingdom of heaven in the world in which you find yourself. I am inviting all of you to take dominion, not over people, that's folly, but to take dominion over the spirits that would hinder, that would destroy, as Paul continues to say in Colossians, you are complete in him who, Jesus, which is the head of all principality and power. Isaiah said it like this, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their righteousness, God says, is of me. How does this work? When we're saved through Christ's victory, we become We are given the powerful privilege, the profound opportunity of being adopted into the family of God in being no longer strangers. And that's easier to believe in a theological sense than it is to walk out in a daily practical sense. Before we're done today, I'm going to give you three practical things that I think you can do. But I want you to see that if you cannot see how your prayer and your confidence is a tool to be directed against the forces of enemy in your life, you are failing to perceive your role in the kingdom of God because you are today standing in the divine rights to speak the power of the name of Jesus, he who is the head of all things, he who has won every victory, he who has accomplished everything we need to stand in hope and confidence. There was a day when we had no confidence. But then, through Christ, we stand in his goodness. We do not have to wait to enjoy the riches we have in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3 Verse number 26, you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. He also will say, you are no longer a slave, chapter 4, verse 7, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you an heir, a recipient of divine promise. And since if we are children, then we are heirs, Romans 8, 17, heirs of God and co-heirs of, with Christ, co-heirs with Christ. I want you to see the power of that statement, co-heirs with Christ. I have received what Christ has accomplished for me. This is, helps us, we talked about joy last week. This helps us understand the difference of a Christian's joy versus just the joy of a experienced and well-lived life. We have a tendency, if our life is going good, then we feel joy. Christian joy isn't based on that. Christian joy isn't based on, based on your life going good. Christian joy is based on what Christ has done for you. And that's why you're able to stand in a hope that is not based on your accomplishment. We sometimes want to be powerful. We don't need to be powerful. It wouldn't help us if we were. Christ is all powerful. And we, through adoption, stand in his dominion. So I want to invite all of you to begin to walk differently in your life. I know this will feel a little bit different to you. And I know this is a little bit of a strange 
strange Sunday type of communication or, or sermon or teaching that this is absolutely necessary for First Church to become who we need to be in this community. I am inviting every one of you to spiritual dominion. It will not be about anybody serving you olives or pilling you grapes. That's not what it will be like. <laughs> I wish it was, but good luck with that. <laughs> it is very much about you being invited to stand in the gap as one who represents the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ to a generation that is being warred over by all the forces of hell and your co-workers and your families live under an oppression and a doubt and a fear that is being in some way multiplied to them and echoed back upon them. Remember, Satan's greatest weapon is not power, but the illusion of power. He goes about as a roaring lion. He's not a roaring lion. He lost all his teeth one day when he bit the wrong victim. Nowadays, he's just a type of yellow gummy bear. But he goes around with a ferocious roar. He's good at marketing. In fact, he is the chief marketing officer of hell. And he wants you to think you're defeated. You're not defeated. You're not standing in whether or not you deserve to be victorious. You're not standing in whether or not you in some way are honorable and glorious. You ain't. We met you. You ain't glorious. You're standing in the power and the victory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you are invited to take dominion in the name of Jesus over all the forces of the enemy that war against the people you are exposed to that you are the ambassador of Christ toward and you are invited having stood in their place as an intercessor and rebuked the power of the enemy you're invited to demonstrate them the gifts that God has prepared for them the goodness of God the healing the blessing the recovery the spiritual restoration you are invited to introduce them to the goodness of God and that combined experience of spiritual safe places and the goodness of God creates revival. People want that. People are hungry for that. People are desiring that. They feel like a burden is lifted off of them. They feel like maybe there's hope. So, I'm going to quit and then we're going to pray. Three practical things to begin to exercise dominion in your life. Number one, seek to grow in spiritual understanding through scripture and through prayer. Why is that important? Because if you fail to perceive the heart of God, it won't matter if you know the law of God. If you fail to perceive the nature of God, it won't matter if you can quote scripture. If you fail to perceive the mission of God, it won't matter if you are the best of them all. This is the Pharisee road. You know the law, you just don't know the heart of God. And so what would we do with a sinner? Well, the law says less stoner. And God says, really? That's your answer? Have anybody considered your own sins around here? If they had known the heart of God, they would have understood the law of God. But when you only understand the law of God, you speak folly. You are the sons of thunder who once a, a village has rejected Christ. You say, I have an idea, Lord. Let's just rain down lava out of heaven on them. That seems about right. They understand the power. They understand the words. They've missed the heart of God. We can't be people who miss the heart of God. He, at best and 
at deepest and at the most profound manifestation of his, of his nature is a savior. Jehovah has become our salvation. So we grow in spiritual understanding through prayer and scripture. We perceive the heart of God through prayer and scripture. But if we miss it, we'll always speak folly. We'll be, we'll be speaking a dominion that makes no sense. Rain down fire. Really? That's number one. Number two, grow in faith. Let me give you my practical solution for what that means. Um, I want to be strong in faith. Sometimes I feel like I do better than others. Uh, that's just me being honest with you. Um, I want to be stronger in faith than I've ever been. And my personal uh, vow and commitment for this year is to make 2020 a year of me speaking faith, not praying for good things. I do that. That's easy. But speaking the good things that I believe are possible, speaking faith. We all want to do better at faith. Here's the reality. Well, a lot of times we don't know how we're doing in faith. And so this is my little uh, plan, my little operation detail. I speak scripture until I feel the utterance to speak dominion. I don't go around speaking dominion because it feels fake to me. I speak scripture. I speak scripture and then Sometimes when I least expect it, I'll feel the utterance. It's like the Lord said to the disciples, don't worry about what's in your mouth. I'll put it there. That utterance will come to you. So when you're growing in your faith and you don't feel particularly strong, don't be silent. Speak scripture. Lord, you're a hedge around about me. Lord, there's nothing come to me that you're not able to take care of. There's no trouble I'll face that you haven't already taken care of. Speak scripture, speak scripture, speak scripture. And then in a moment, you'll feel utterance come upon you. And you'll be able to speak about someone you've been praying for. You'll be able to speak about someone who is hurting. And in that moment, you've been speaking scripture. And now utterance comes and something rises up on you. And you say, I rebuke you, devil, in the name of Jesus. I'm sick of you oppressing my brother. I'm sick of you lying to my sister. I stand in the authority of Jesus Christ and I rebuke you. That's my second practical thing. Here's my third practical thing. You know how we're told to exercise faith? That word intentionally is just like if you practiced and went to the gym and tried to get better at it. You exercise faith. Well, here's my practical application. Don't just exercise faith. Exercise worship and exercise thanksgiving. So after I've believed, I try to praise him as though it's already happening. What are you doing? I'm exercising worship. I exercise faith. And you know what I found in my life? The more I exercise worship, the better I get at exercising faith. And the more I exercise thanksgiving, the better I get at exercising faith. And suddenly, I, at surprising times and in unexpected ways, am able to feel an authority that's not my authority. I've accomplished nothing of a spiritual accomplishment, but Christ has accomplished everything as a spiritual victory. You are invited to dominion. Let's all stand all across the house. Lord, I pray for every one of these people. I know this has been uh, perhaps in some ways uh, a shock to the spiritual sense to think that perhaps we should be speaking with more confidence and through the spiritual battle than we are. We're really comfortable asking. We're really comfortable pleading. We're even comfortable kind of begging. But we're not as comfortable speaking. 
Lord Jesus, I'm praying. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.